probably figured out by now that I'm not Craig. He's playing hooky again. So uh, he's had a wonderful week, and we gave him the, the time off. I'm so glad to see you here today, the first day of the year, and I uh, trust that your uh, Christmas and, and holiday time was, was good for you. You know, as Craig and I have talked about this, and as we look over all of the plans that we could make for different sermons and so forth, it really strikes us that no matter where you look in God's Word, you got a sermon. You know, it's just, uh, as I was going through all the verses of today's uh, topic, I was just amazed at, at how the Lord speaks to you out of, from all these different authors, from all the different times through, through history until now, that, that thread that, that just keeps running through the Scripture. We have a, a class um, on how our Scripture came to be, and uh, it's just amazing how it fell together and how the Holy Spirit helped those men that wrote those specific books, that it just, it's just as clear as you can see uh, that the Word of God is alive and powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow, and it's a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. So that there's just... No, as David said, there's just no place that I can get away from God, nor do I want to. But yet at the same time, we all have a thing that happens to us. We don't really mean for it to happen to us, but it does. How many of you have experienced a difficult time breaking habits? You know... From the day we were born until a certain part of our life, we were learning the world. We were being conditioned to the world and the world's ways. And we find ourselves now claiming Jesus as our Savior and becoming Christians and brothers and sisters and going, why do those habits that I... I got rid of, why do they come back every now and then? Example for me was last night when I was taking a shower, uh, I accidentally bumped the cold water. Yeah, and our hot water is scalding. And I had to confess immediately. Because I uttered an utterance that, that you know. <laughs> but don't you wonder? You just and, and as the last time I was up here giving a sermon, we were talking about the Word of God is so powerful, and it just cuts right to the heart of what we're going through, and it challenges us to accept. God's way. I mean, that's God gave us volition, and and so we have a, a decider. I, as we called it with our kids, it was like a light switch. You, you know, you can either decide to to do good and follow after the Lord's ways, or you can turn it off and go your own way. And we still have that, don't we? You know, we, we have to train our hearts and our minds to go God's way, to walk, as the Scripture says, to walk with God. And to be able to do that, we have to change those habits, those habitual ways of doing things. And I catch myself all the time, you know, habitual things that I've done in the past, maybe a way of communicating or just a way of thinking about seeing something out and about, you know, and and all of a sudden, you have an attitude that comes to your mind. You go, oh, wait a minute. That's, that's not God's attitude. 
that's me again, you know. But we have to discipline ourselves in regards to that. That is not an easy thing because we still have the old sin nature. We still have, as Paul calls it, the flesh. It's continually pulling us one way or the other. So today, our topic for your salvation, I wait, O Lord. So today's topic is really going to be about your patience. How well do you wait? Are you a good waiter? <laughs> or does frustration and uh, sometimes anger come in as we have to wait on these things? And we see people fall away from the Lord because they're tired of waiting. Maybe they pray to prayer. Oh, you've taken too long, God. You haven't answered it. So I'm going to go back to my old ways. But we're going to take a look at all that. Are we in difficult times right now? We, we acknowledge that. We are. Uh, were my parents in difficult times? My dad was lieutenant commander in the Pacific. Went through the Depression. Those were difficult times. Watching Nazi Germany rise to power. And then for those of, of you that served in Vietnam, those difficult times, absolutely, marches and demonstrations and people back home not very supportive of our military. And so we have different, each one of us in our generation has difficult times. What makes ours any different than all the difficult times before? Because this plays into prophecy. What's coming? What's going to happen? And so, you know, what are we, what are we waiting for right now? We're waiting for the return of our Lord. Some say there's no prophecy to be fulfilled except the rapture. For God will take Christians out and away so that we won't suffer the pain and the judgment and the sorrow that the unbelievers do. Keeping in mind there will be believers during, during the rapture. 144,000 for sure. But it is amazing to sit and think, well, if I was in a certain period of time, I couldn't say that because, for one thing, the, the Jews had to be back in the land for the next thing to happen. Well, my mom saw that. I was only two years old when that happened. But they're back. And there was great rejoicing that they were back because... If we're walking with the Lord and truly love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, then we're looking forward to His return. Now, in, at, at my age, I talk to a few people my age, and maybe we look forward to it a little bit more than some of the, some of the younger folks do. And I remember a time in my life that, no, Lord, hold on. There's a lot of stuff I want to do, a lot of stuff I want to get done. So just can, can you wait a little bit? Well, I'm, I'm not in that boat anymore, you know. And, and a lot of us have gone through health problems and financial problems and job problems and everything else, you know. They, they understand this well. So the question we have to ask ourselves, what kind of people are we when we have to wait? In line at a store, when the person's credit card won't clear and they're going through their, their purse or their wallet trying to find something that'll work and holding up the line, you go, man, I got in this line because it was short, right? Only to have this happen. Now I'm going to go get in another line. Oh, man, they're all long, right? And so we have these moments. How about a, for a meal at a restaurant? You ever been at a restaurant when you sit down, you get seated, you look around, then you see other people get seated, then you see other people get their food, and you still haven't gotten, you're wondering, do they have to go out and kill a cow or something? You know, 
And, and so we become impatient for a train at a railroad crossing. Didn't they know I, I had to be somewhere? In a hospital or clinic to be seen by a medical professional. I love that one. Because what I've been going through, my doctors told me, if you have that happen again, all right, they're basically small strokes. And <clears throat> they don't last very long. I say, get right to the hospital because then they need to do a quick MRI. They need to do a quick CAT scan. Okay, I'll hurry up and get to the hospital. Last time I went, I waited four hours in the waiting room before I was even seen. And that's a problem with Holy Family. I mean, they're extremely busy, and I do understand that. But you can really get impatient, can't you? And you can sit there, and all of a sudden, you're winding yourself up with that impatience and that's called stress. And stress, as we know, is, is not good for the body, for the soul. And as we wind ourselves up a little bit more and a little bit more, maybe it's harder then to go, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I have the Lord that I can call upon, that I can rely upon to help me through this. Not get me seen earlier, but give me the patience as I wait. Heavy traffic? Any of you, huh? Yeah? yeah. Molars get ground down a little bit. <clears throat> I was in Yellowstone, Leslie and I, many years ago. And the traffic control in Yellowstone Park, um, they're buffalo. Okay? <laughs> if any of you have been there. Um, so, sure enough, I heard bulls out on the road, and it's got traffic just completely stopped. And I can hear in the back this guy meh, 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 laying, laying on his horn, being very impatient. The rest of the people were just going, eh, well, you can't tell a buffalo to move, and if you've ever tried. And sure enough, here comes this guy in a Toyota 4Runner, and he's weaving in and out, and he's honking, and he's getting a few of the buffalo to move. All the time I'm looking over here at a bull, and his patience is wearing thin. You can see it by his buffalo body language, right? <laughs> you can just see something's going to happen. This guy gets right up alongside that buffalo. And you can see he's already got his head down and everything. And at the last minute, that Toyota pulls forward and that buffalo charges and misses the Toyota. and hits a 60 Ford of pristine 60 Ford four-door. I mean, they're, they're not really a beauty car anyhow, but nailed that door, that back door, powerful enough to push that car off the road and into the, into the ditch. Going, wow. And I wonder if that guy even knows what his impatience ended up costing. You know, and sometimes, how about us? What does our impatience cost us? When we are getting sick and tired of waiting. Haven't you got dinner done yet? <laughs> I mean, the littlest things to the biggest things. Think about our prayers right now. We've got a lot of prayers going up for our nation and for the people in our nation that are trying to run things. We wonder, what, what's that answer going to be? Especially in light that the United States of America is not mentioned in prophecy. So you and I have a lot of things facing us as we go into the future here. We're going to have to do some waiting, and we may have to go through some tough times. How long did the people of God have to wait for the Messiah? Did any of you see the, the films on uh, the Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve little movie that they did for us with the children answering those kind of questions. They're, dating is, is an interesting thing. Uh, theologians have 7,000 years, 8,000 years, 9,000 years. But the children were told it was 7,000 years, 7,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. But they had to wait. From the time of Christ's birth to his baptism... By John the Baptist, 
was about 30 years. So the question is, how many people were aware of the birth of Christ and maybe went and saw the star or maybe even traveled to the manger scene or, or where they were living after that for up to two years there? But how many people just kind of, well, that was fun, but nothing's happening during that time. And then Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and was declared himself. So we have these different periods of time, some very much longer and some very short. In uh, Luke 2.25, 35, You bring that? Okay. Thank you. Um, and, and pardon me, by the way, some of the uh, fonts are great, and some of them are not. Uh, they're, they're a little harder to see. I'm doing better on that. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. How many of you have ever watched Jesus of Nazareth? An older, an older movie, uh, but excellent. He was looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that an amazing thing? A, a personal revelation. You're not going to die until you see Jesus. Oh, man, what kind of excitement would that create in your heart? And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, circumcision, then he took him into his arms and he blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. In other words, now I can die. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Uh, that was one of the most touching scenes in Jesus of Nazareth. And Joseph and Mary were just in awe over that happening. And it goes on where he tells Mary that your heart is basically going to be seared over what's going to happen in this case. From the time of Christ's resurrection till now, 1,988 years from the resurrection. The people of God have had to wait for a total of 9,000 years to see God's promises fulfilled. And we think, well, no, wait a minute. How many people were there back in, in the times of uh, you know, Genesis, the beginning? Sometimes we forget there were people of God in those, in those early years. We know that um, Adam and Eve were given a promise, and that was the first one, that someone would come to defeat Satan. But Enoch walked with God. Enoch lived 65 years and became, that would be the next one, Genesis 5, 21, 24. Thank you. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Oh, wow. Methuselah lived a while, right? Then Enoch walked with God for 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. He had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. I, that, to me, is just one of the most amazing verses in Scripture. That this man was so faithful, walking with God, and so closely acquainted with God, that God says, come on, I'm, I'm not going to have you go through all the rest of the stuff that the people here during this time are going to go through. Now, from Jude, in Jude 14, 23, and the reason I... I read this is because God is so faithful to let us know what's coming. 
And, and that should play on our decision to, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to, like the last time I was up here, we talked about confession, the importance of confession. We're going to sin, but we need to confess immediately. We need to recognize what that is. And so in this case, Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, he prophesied. So he was a prophet. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they've done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. So this was a warning and an encouragement to the hearers. But yet, when is this time going to come when the Lord returns with thousands? It comes from Revelation. So, is actually saying what's going to happen at the end of time. And so these behaviors that, that he's talking about, we see today. And we'll be reading about that. So this was a warning and an encouragement to the, to the hearers to wait on the Lord to exercise his judgment. Adam and Eve were given encouragement after the fall that one would come and Satan. How long did they have to wait on the Lord? We're still waiting. How's that working out for you? Huh? It's a question we all have to ask ourselves. What are we doing while we're waiting? Have some lost hope and are falling away? What emotions do we encounter when we have to wait? Um, a good part of my life I was a very impatient person. Uh, not arrogantly impatient, but more impatient with myself. Uh, constantly down on myself for not having done good enough or having done something I should have done or something like that. But that impatience just takes me out of the game in terms of being related to my wife. When I get impatient, it's not fun for her. It's not a good thing. And so those times that, that we go, oh, well, you know, I, I needed to get off some steam. Yeah, well, I think sometimes we, especially if we lose our temper, the word lose is in there. You're losing something, right? What emotions do we encounter when we have to wait? Impatience, frustration, anger, maybe resentment. We grumble and complain, often making unjust claims about others who seem to be causing our situation. We, however, are in control of our response and actions. How many times have you been in a, in a restaurant, as I described before, and everybody else is getting served, but you're not. So the waitress comes, and, and all of a sudden you hear somebody yelling and arguing and grumbling because the person got mad at the waitress when it wasn't the waitress's fault at all. In fact, we should have been praying for the waitress because she probably knew that you were getting served last. It is a frustrating thing to then get served and your food's cold and you do know it's been sitting there for a while. But <clears throat> Those are moments of great decision. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this emotion? What am I going to do because I'm upset? Well, I'm a Christian. What's my, what's my responsibility? Well, it's certainly not to come off and, and lambaste the waitress, is it? Right? There's plenty of other things we can do. Do we have days that we become weary of the things of this world? Do we? Okay. Do we turn to some old ways and anger and frustration? Or do we have a new way of maybe dealing with this? We worry and stress over things over which we have no control. Instead of turning to the Lord in prayer, are we eagerly awaiting 
And that word eagerly puts that stress on waiting. We're eager to wait. We're, we're happy to wait. And as we wait, what are we doing? I found myself when I had to wait in line at a store looking at, at people. Uh, something I've done for almost my whole life, and especially during my previous uh, job. You look at people, and you, you try to read their body language, get some sense maybe of who they are. Later I realized as a, as a Christian that it would be more pro productive if I looked at them from a different perspective. If I looked at them more as God does. I started by observing the clerks. You can tell pretty quickly if they're in a good mood or a bad mood. If they're having a good day or a bad day. Then I thought of things I could say to them when it was my turn. So, in my earlier years, when I enjoyed looking at women, as most men do at some time in their life, now I had to challenge myself and say, what are you looking at? Well, you're looking at a soul that God loves. You're looking at a, a human being, a creation of God's. So what should my attitude be? And uh, it certainly uh, turned that around. And, and then there's many times that Leslie goes into the stores to shop. What do I do while I'm sitting in the car? I'm praying for the people that are walking by the car while I sit there. Yeah. There's always time. How often should we pray? What does the scripture say? Without ceasing, yeah. That, that gets your head kind of on the right track and kind of turned around. So this, this female clerk, I addressed her by name. You know, a lot of them, they've got their name tags on. And I asked her how her day was going. Now, prior to that, I mean, her face was just stone negative. And she looked me in the eye and she said, I can't wait till I get off. My back is killing me and standing at this register doesn't help. And she also went on to say that she needed surgery, but she couldn't get it because that was the time of COVID. I told her I had back, back issues and know how bad that can hurt. And then I told her I would take some time to pray for her. The change in her demeanor was instant. It was just, it was amazing. I've seen this time and time again. Uh, when, when Leslie goes through the check stands and, and does the same thing. She said, thank you very much. And as I walked out, I looked back and noticed that her cordiality toward the next customer was immediately obvious. We can be so alone in a crowd of people, can't we? We can come in here into church and be alone. We can bring a domestic squabble that happened before church or on the way to church and we walk in and we're, you know, it's just taking that, sapping that, that joy right out of us and making it very difficult to get in the Word or understand what the songs that we sang how important they are, what they bring to mind, how the Lord has known you before you were born. And you've heard my story that I was six months with a hooker in Seattle who was trying to use me for getting a guy to marry her, right? I was, I was given to her by my natural father who was running a couple of girls on the streets at that time. Unbelievably terrible situation. Now I scraped off the streets at six months of age, put into a, uh, an orphanage, and I was adopted at a year into a Christian home with loving parents. God was watching out for me the whole time. The whole time. I can look back through my life, and maybe you can too. You look back through your life, and <laughs> kind of like a 
pinball, you know, boing, 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 boing. And you wonder, what was there to actually change my direction back towards where it should be? It was our Lord. <clears throat> so, as Christians, what can we do while we wait? Well, the first thing, you know, I, <laughs> his comment would be, oh, I just couldn't think of anything else I could do, so I prayed. That should be number one. That should be moved up to the top of the list. Pray, because the Holy Spirit gives us direction, calls to mind how we should pray. And, and the Scripture uh, tells a little bit later, I'll read that, where, where Paul is, is telling the believers, hey, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're arrested for being a Christian or going out and preaching Christ. Don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say at that time. Many of you experience that. Observe and evaluate. It's always good to do that. It, you go, should I go up and talk to that person or not? And there's times the Lord says, no. No. Observe and evaluate. And then what should you do next? Pray again. For more direction for more guidance, for more help. And then we come to interact with people. And with a Christian perspective, a godly perspective, it's amazing how much we can help in those situations. Because if we are in fellowship and behaving the way we should be, they're going to see that in our demeanor. They're going to see the genuineness in our demeanor. It won't be like, yeah, hey, I want to tell you something. My pastor told me I need to go out and talk to people about this, so, you know, here I am. No, it's, it's something real caring. Have you ever walked up to somebody and said, you seem distressed, are you okay? You know, I did that once, getting ready to go out to work, and one of the officers was waiting for his car to come in, and I could see he was really distressed. And... I'd partnered with him uh, for a few months at one time, so I knew him pretty well. And I said, hey, Scotty, how you doing? Put my arm on his shoulder. He looked at me and said, not well, not well at all. Now, he's just getting ready to go out, go to work on uh, graveyard shift. Yeah, it's a tough shift. And I said, well, what's going on? My wife just left me, she cleaned out our banking account, and she took the kids. Now, this is a guy that, if you didn't know that, the dispatcher's going to say, oh, go to a family fight at such and such an address. This is not a good, not a good thing. Immediately, he was relieved and able to go home and, and subsequently get things straightened out. He was also a Christian, too. Don't think that just because we're Christians, we don't need that kind of help now and then, right? And he was, and how much he was relying on the Lord, I don't know, because that was so upsetting to him. And then there should be another pray in there. Pray again and then share the gospel. Every opportunity we get, share the gospel, the good news. And there's many different ways to do that. But if they know that it's genuine and it's coming from the heart, that's huge. So in other words, control our emotions. Control, control our demeanor. When Leslie and I were in the worst moments of our lives, we cried out to God for help. Now, the last sermon I gave, I made a statement. I said, my wife committed adultery with the pastor of our church. That wasn't Leslie. There, was, there were some people here that goes, was that Leslie? Oh my gosh, how did they work through that one? Right? That wasn't Leslie. Leslie and I have been happily married for 40 years. And uh, we don't see any change in that, thank God. So, 
The Lord answered, told us basically, you must return to me and change from the inside out. So many times we look at that, you know, the outward stuff, but not the inward stuff. Our relationship with the Lord Jesus, with God the Father, is an incredibly unique relationship and must be maintained at all times. If it's not, boy, we can just go off the rails real quick, right back to old ways of thinking, negativity, cynicism, and so forth. Well, we hope that um, that process wouldn't take too long. All right, so here comes this waiting part. Lord, grant me patience, but please hurry. Right? That was on the refrigerator for many years. I don't know why it's not now. You know, probably got impatient and took it off. People who get lost in the woods often walk much farther than they intended, don't they? Or don't we? Boy, man, you can get so far off the rails and stay off the rails for a period of time. And that's, that's, not, that's not good. For those of you that have had to struggle in your lives with recovery, you know about that. You know how vital it is. And that's not even talking yet about a relationship with the Lord. You know, when we go off the rails... We're out of fellowship. And, and our communication, as I told my kids when they were little, it's like you're on the phone with the Lord and all of a sudden it went dead. And you need to confess your sin or what you know is wrong that you're doing and get back on, on the right track. The journey for us was a long one. And we still haven't reached the end, but we're on the right path for once. Right now, and that doesn't mean that I'm on that path all the time. I, you know how, how easy it is for your foot to go a little bit this way and that way. One, one, foot, one foot in the spiritual aspects of our life, another foot in the world. I mean, we were raised in the world. We were conditioned in the world. It's not... It's not easy getting back. It is when you depend on the Spirit of God to walk with you and walk back with you. We lost many of the things which you gained in the world. We lost much of our worldly ways of thinking, which is huge. In most ways, we're happier now more than we've ever been in the past. We have peace that goes beyond all understanding. We read the word and we go, Lord, how can you be so forgiving? How can you be so merciful? Especially to me, right? And we have what's called faith rest. And faith rest is, is a beautiful thing. Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, the armor of God. You're very familiar with this, are you not? Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And that's really what we're talking about, is standing firm in our relationship with the Lord so that it's not easy to get off the right track. In fact, sometimes it's just doggone hard. Oh, man, I, I'd like to do that. It's kind of, that was really fun, but uh, I know I shouldn't. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. When you start thinking about that, you go, oh, wait a minute, that's, almost too much for my brain to comprehend. I mean, there's spiritual things going on around me right now. Mm -hmm. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, opened, had his eyes opened, and he saw the chariots of fire all around him that were keeping the enemy from destroying the prophet. You know, that we would have our eyes open and see what's around us in terms of of the demonic 
powers. Focus on that? Absolutely not. Focus on the Lord keeping that away from us. As we pray in our meetings before church, we're constantly praying, Lord, protect our body, protect our church, because we know how easy it is for something to come in the wrong door. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and have done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's a commitment, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, a constant reminder that it's not us who are doing the real protecting. It's for us to be aware of what's out there and be prepared. But the Lord is fighting our battles for us. I mean, there's a part we play in that, in the decisions that we make and so forth. We never stand alone. Never. And when we confess, the Lord's right there. He just wants to hear it from our lips and get that relationship back on track again. Attaining faith rests. These are two of the my favorite uh, passages, these passages just jumped out at me when mentioned that Leslie and I had those years, many years ago now, that we had uh, real trials. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Wow. Boy, my path has been crooked. That would be great to have that. If any of you are still in that place where you have New Year's resolutions, this one the best right here. Make that your resolution. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. Because our, our own understanding, a lot of that still comes from the world. Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord. I, I love passages that start out with thus says the Lord kind of makes you sit up straight and go oh stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls how many of us have had our souls really disturbed and feel like it turned upside down just troubled, just constantly there's just something going on there. And you'll find rest for your souls. I mean, this is how I find rest for my soul, to turn back to God if I, if I got on the wrong path a bit. Yeah, absolutely. We all have differing experiences responding to the Word. And Mark 4, 13 through 20, um, you remember this, the parable of the sower? And, and Jesus is saying, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand the parables? Well, how do we understand parables? With the aid of the Holy Spirit. The people at that time, and even some of the disciples were going, well, what's he talking about? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And some of us have actually seen that happen. Just the wall goes up. In a similar way, then these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves. And we could probably do a whole sermon on that. But they're only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, the word is in conflict with the world, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, 
the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, enter in and choke the word. It becomes unfruitful. This is the one that I identified with the most. Uh, things of the world come in and lead you astray. Those are the ones whom the seed was sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. I see that happening right here in our church, in our body. It's, it's amazing, but it's a promise. It's right there in God's word. Waiting on the Lord. Paul uses himself as a role model many times. So brethren, join in the following of my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern which you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait. There's that word again, eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. So when we go up in the air and we meet the Lord, we get a new body, we get a new name. By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. That's a power. Isn't that a powerful thing that the Lord will do? We go, man, that's almost unbelievable. Oh, go back and history and take a look at the powerful things that he's done in his name. We need to familiarize ourselves with all those. We now wait again for the coming of Christ. Huh? Yeah, right? I mean, the people before us saw it happen. And as my mom, she's just waiting for the Jews to get back in the land, and she saw it happen. And these are things that should just spring up in our heart and create a joy and contribute to faith rest. Who do you trust? Where's your faith? Has he shown himself to be faithful to us? Fulfill his promises? Absolutely. We have more knowledge than the people before and during the life of Christ. We don't expect him to come as a king like David, as some of the Jews did. No, we look for him to come as the living Messiah our personal Savior, ready to judge the world and lead us into the millennium and into the kingdom of God. What a marvelous thing. But we're having to wait. How long must we wait? You know, and you hear that in the, in the Chosen and in Jesus of Nazareth, that movie as well. The, uh, the people are just, oh, how long must we wait? And some of them actually giving up that waiting because it's taken too long. This is a question asked often by believers. When we pray and, and we expect an answer and we're just not getting it, how long will we wait? Revelation 6, 9 through 10, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who'd been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. Okay, this is future stuff. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? You asked that question recently? How long, Lord? How long do we have to put up with this idiocy before you do something about it? This is just getting absurd. So this is a reasonable query. How many of us have asked the same thing? And how, must, how long must we wait? Well, we must wait till he comes again. We're not the only ones waiting. God is patient, is he not? 
He's waiting for us. He's giving millions of people a chance to come to him before taking us and the spirit out of the way. It's an amazing thing. God is patient. God is kind. It's just thinking all, I mean, imagine yourself and say, before you were a believer, you know, and, and a Christian coming, oh, I want God to come right now. I don't care about all the rest of those people. They've had their chance. God doesn't look at it that way. Oh, on the other side of the coin, how long must God wait for his people to return to him in spirit and in truth? So we're, we're not the only ones waiting. He's told us what's coming many times in, in both the Old and New Testament. We're really prepared. We, uh, just read the book. <laughs> He's told us what's coming. Are we prepared? Are we putting on the whole armor of God? Will we stand as we wait? Now, um, I ask that question because how many of us, and you know what I, what I was before I came here, police officer, sniper on the SWAT team, and there was a period of time there where, yeah, just... Just let them come and try, right? And you begin to take that, that worldly point of view in how you're going to defend yourself against a tank coming up your driveway. <laughs> you know, it's pretty ridiculous. Are we prepared? Yeah, with the Word of God, with faith rest, with trust in the Lord, with all our heart. We're prepared, and, and we're supposed to do it a different way. Now, I'm not talking about defending your family and, and taking care of business righteously. We, we know that, that when I became a police officer, uh, that's one of the first things I already knew is that if I had to shoot somebody, that wasn't thou shalt not murder. That didn't apply. That's a different word that's used in that case than, than what police officers have to do. And yet I have known dozens of officers who've been in in firefights and ended up taking somebody's life who either quit after that or had to go into some other unit because that weighed down on them so heavily that I broke that commandment. What can I ever do to repay? I mean, that's a terrible thing to have to do that. But if you don't have that already firmly in your mind as to what the Lord says, then a lot of times we find ourselves without the confidence to do what we actually need to do. As we prepare ourselves to wait, what must we be aware of? What has is, what is the Lord told us? 2 Timothy 3, 1-6. through six. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. For men will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these." As I look through every one of those, I can see him today. I can see him today in Washington, D.C. I can see him in our state governments. It's, it's all around you. It has been at other times, too. But in my heart, I think it's more prevalent than it's ever been. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. There's a, uh, another one of the uh, versions of Scripture that says even the faithful will fall away, which is a sickening thought. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And we go, oh, yeah, well, that was back then. Oh, no. We got people in our own community that are spreading the information on doctrine of demons. 
by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own consciences with a branding iron. In other words, that's, they're not going to change. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Uh, we've seen the abstaining from foods for, for quite a while in different groups. But how about this forbidding marriage? Has that come into the limelight recently? Yeah, they're taking steps to forbid it. I'm going to change my sex. Or More and more young people right now are not getting married than used to. They're trying to figure out why, what's happened. God ordained that a man and woman should come together and create children that will follow the Lord. So this is a indirect violation and contradiction of what the Lord has told us to do. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. Uh, reading in Peter, you'll, you'll, you'll find that. For it's sanctified by means of the Word and God and prayer. And Mark 13, 5 through 7, or 5 through 27, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. How do we know uh, when somebody comes on the scene and goes, I'm the Christ, I have returned? How do we know he's not? Just should know instantly. Right? Yeah, we know, and I'll read the verse here in a moment. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be frightened. We got plenty of that going on right now, don't we? Those things must take place, but that's not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. All that's going on right now. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you to the courts. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony. So he just changed a few of these because of, of where we are today in 2023. Hmm, I remembered, see? <laughs> the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. That's another one that you'll hear. Christ will not return until the last believer is believed. And uh, I don't know how that works out. We don't have that ability to, to know how that will work out. We go, well, how will that ever be accomplished? Remember, the disciples were told, if you enter a village and they do not receive you, knock the dust off your sandals and go to the next village. All right, and we already know from Revelation and from God's telling us that the Christian way is a narrow path in other words, it's hard to stay on. And many will be called, but few will be chosen. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand what you're going to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it's not you who speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have to worry about getting arrested for believing in Christ, do we? Huh? Well, not right here we don't. But there's other states, other places where people are sitting in jail right now because of their testimony. Brother will betray brother to death. It happened in the Civil War as well. A father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Well, you see children rising up against parents very much today. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And what did we see during COVID? You know, we, we saw persecutions going on. Things that are, we never thought our government could do, which I still don't think they could, but they did. Acts 19, 1, 9-11. This, this, support, this is supporting of... Uh, if somebody say, comes and says, I'm the Christ. 
And after he had said these things, as Jesus, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into the heavens, will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven. As we read the passage uh, in regards to the rapture, that's exactly the way that he's going to return. Let us encourage one another, coming alongside one another in brotherly love, sharing the joy of our salvation, helping one another through difficult times, enjoying the good times with one another. We are now God's children and therefore brothers and sisters in Christ. That's us. That's us. Coming alongside one another. We can, we can read each other's body language. We can tell by tone of voice, by listening to them. We can see. And there are many times we need to come alongside, hand on the shoulder. You doing okay? You doing okay? In closing, we look solely at the Word of God. So the last is just total Scripture and helps us be prepared for what we need to do when we wait. Start with Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, that's our first class if and you have, hopefully, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, I haven't been up there yet. I, I'm not sure what's up there. I know the throne's up there in Jesus Christ. Everything that we read in the Word is from things above. All the promises, all the, all the history, everything we know where God has proven Himself loving and faithful to us is in the Word. So those are the good things. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Yeah. Yeah, we still have some of that stuff in us. And hard to get rid of. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. So that, that statement right there just always hits me. Yeah. I remember when I walked in that. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and you put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew and we could use a lot of different examples there, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love. We're not talking the sappy love, as you know, that the world is so um, regular at just kind of throwing around. We're talking about a different kind of love which is a perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let us pray. Our Father God, thank you that you led us here today, that your spirit within us urged us to be here. We pray for those who didn't make it today for one reason or another. Their brothers and sisters, watch over them and protect them this time of the year. Thank you, Lord, that you have blessed our church body and all the people in it. Thank you that you have blessed us so much that we're still working through things. But thank you for that helping hand for walking with us all the way. Lord, as we go from here, help us to be reminded that it's so easy to just turn back to you in a moment of fear or mistrust or anxiety, that you're always there with us. You've always been there with us. We give thanks for that. And now, Lord, as we walk out back into the world, we have to be in the world. Let us not be of the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that you have done for us and will continue to do on our behalf. We are blessed. Praise be to you. In Jesus' name, amen.